Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Maxion is back. The initial college football playoff rankings come out later tonight. And Dan Mullen was once again the story of the day in college football. Good morning. It is Tuesday, November 2nd. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. I've got a really good conversation in a few minutes with Steve Halwick, who covers the Mid-American Conference for Hustle Belt, which is an SB Nation blog covering Maxion. Look, Lance found, our producer Lance Glenn found this guy for us as a Maxion guest because Maxion weeknight action returns tonight. He is awesome. He is the Phil Steele of the Mac. I can't believe how much he knew. His recall, his excitement, his passion. It inspired me to be better at my job today. And that's, that's, that's the highest compliment you can give somebody. So really excited for you to listen to Steve talk about tonight's games and, and the conference and where it stands right now and why we all love it so much. Before we get to that, though, of course, tonight's playoff rankings come out 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. You'll get the full top 25 from the committee. Chris Hummer's got his projections up online at 24-7 Sports. I asked him for his top four. He says he's never felt less certain about it. But right now he thinks the committee will go Georgia, Michigan State, Alabama, and Cincinnati. So once again, that's Georgia, Michigan State, Alabama, and Cincinnati. I'm excited to see what happens. I think that Michigan State deserves that number two spot and we'll see if they get it and cannot wait to see where Cincinnati is. The Bearcats probably need to be in the top four right now to eventually make it. And likewise, is Wake Forest in a good spot? You would assume that any undefeated power five champion would make the playoff. But if Alabama and Georgia are going to take two spots, and if Ohio State and, say, Oklahoma win out, those are pretty impressive teams. And I love Wake Forest. I'm not saying they shouldn't be in the playoff. I think that I think they would make it. But let's see if the committee agrees with me. And then finally, I'm sure you saw it, but Dan Mullen, he uh, he answered a question on his in his Monday press conference about recruiting. He was asked about recruiting, of course, because it's a big talking point right now. Uh, his team just lost 34-7 to to Georgia. And the talent gap is growing wider and wider. It seems Kirby Smart alluded to how important recruiting is to him Saturday after the game. Dan Mullen's skaters are number ninth right now in the SEC in recruiting, number 22 nationally. That's not going to cut it in na- nationally or in the, in the SEC. So he was asked about it on Monday. And his reaction, we have a clip for you. Well, let's just play the clip and, and then we'll get into it. Uh, Coach, the topic of recruiting has come up a lot the last couple of days from a few angles. Uh, is there a different approach needed for the, the level nah. of consistency? Well, of we're, we're in the season right now. We'll do recruiting after the season. And when it gets this recruiting time, we can talk about recruiting. So my take there is that he's obviously not saying that they're not doing any recruiting right now. And I think some people, some people on Twitter freaked out thinking he was saying, hey, no, it's football season. We recruit in December. That's, that's not what he was saying. He was saying, I'm not going to talk about this right now. I'll talk to you about it in our signing day press conference. The fact of the matter is though, Dan Mullen, this is a conversation right now. Your recruiting is a topic of conversation. You need to be able to address it. Say you like your class and feel good about it and that the rankings might be wrong. Say you have some work to do and you're looking forward to pitching opportunity to players on the recruiting trail. Say you have a few battles left to go win. Say something. Don't blow it off. 
Don't act like it doesn't matter. Don't give me that next question. And then certainly don't cancel your availability the rest of the week uh, with a game Saturday against South Carolina. That's that's what they did. They said they said other than the SEC teleconference, he won't talk to the media again. Something's happening in Gainesville. I think he keeps his job. I think they go four and zero in November and finish eight and four, and and then he coaches for his job in twenty twenty two. But this is uh, it's starting to go off the rails. And the problem with Dan Mullen, and I, I I like Dan Mullen. I think he's a really good coach. Problem with him though is it's it's half the half the time he's he's saying something weird, and ha- the other half of the time he's saying it in a weird way. So. He's just not earning himself any fans by being stubborn and sensitive and defensive. And I get it. I can I can do those three those three things too. But Dan Mullen has paid a lot of money to talk about his football program, and he needs to be able to do that without acting like it's beneath him to address recruiting on November first. Recruiting is a big deal, Dan Mullen. It's it's not a uh, it's not a one day of the year topic that we talk about. So anyway, on a more fun note. Steve Helwick, the Phil Steele of Maction. Okay, Steve Helwick, the foremost authority on Mac football, joins us right now. Steve, you and I were talking about how you got into the Mac a little bit before we hit record. Your origin story is awesome. You were sitting around in a chemistry lab, didn't want to do your reporter or what have you, and you're like, "Hey, I'll, I, I found a job opening for a blog covering Mac football," and 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 here you are. Why do you think? Why do you think we love it so much? I think it's the Tuesday and Wednesday nights that it's there and football's available that night, which makes football a seven day a week sport when you combine it with the NFL, where it's on every single night in November and you don't get a single day off really. So the fact that's available on Tuesday and Wednesday night, and I think that the opening of sports betting too has helped it become really big because I know that people are in my DMs a lot of times on Tuesday and Wednesday. They're like, what spreads do you like tonight? And all of that. So I think I think sports gambling has helped Mac recently. And just some of the craziness of Mac football has happened recently. When Midweek Maction first started in 2011, there were some really off the rails games that happened. 63 to 60 final scores and just high scoring games. And then last year alone, we had that Western Michigan Toledo game with a onside kick and a fake spike at the end. We had a Western yes. Michigan ball state game that featured lateral sequence that was completely out of whack that Western Michigan scored on, but there was a forward pass and it was called back and ball state rushed the field in the middle of the play. And just some of the weirdness of the Mac really, I think people people like to attach themselves to it. So it's definitely fun for college football. I would expect in a few weeks, I know a lot more about the Mac than I do right now. I totally on board with you. Last year, sports betting became legal in Tennessee and Tuesday and Wednesdays, especially during a pandemic, Steve, like when, when sports options were so limited, it was just, I, could, I couldn't get enough. And I'll be honest with you, I haven't been paying all that much attention to it um, on Saturdays this season. Uh, I, I know that you know Buffalo is replacing Lance Leipold with Maurice Linguist. I, I know Bowling Green beat Minnesota, which if you watch any college football last year, makes absolutely no sense. And I'm excited to learn more about the MAC in the next few weeks and, and today with you. Just to kind of start us off, is there a current top dog of the conference who looks like the favorite to, to win the league? Yes and no. The reason I say yes is there's still one undefeated team in conference play. 
And that's the Northern Illinois Huskies who finished 0-6 in the pandemic season. And that's part of the reason I say no is because it's hard to be sold on Northern Illinois at the moment because they played some good football. They're 6-2, 4-0 in the conference. They beat Georgia Tech in Atlanta on week one on a game-winning two-point conversion in the final minute. But Northern Illinois in their five FBS wins this year, they have not won a game by more than one score. So Northern Illinois has been really good at closing out football games recently. They've hit two game-winning field goals in the final minute of games and Mac play, but they haven't just throttled an opponent yet. So it seems like the Mac is still wide open because Northern Illinois hasn't won games convincingly. So I, I don't really think that there's a top dog in this conference at the moment. And the Mac has more parity than ever than any conference in college football. In the last non-pandemic season in 2019, the conference championship game was between two teams that were eight and six overall. And the conference and the best record overall in the conference was an eight and five Buffalo team that wasn't even in the conference championship. And eight teams qualified for bowl eligibility that year. So there's so much parity in this conference. And it feels like any result is on the table in any given week. I mean, Bowling Green last week is double digit underdogs came into Buffalo and beat them 56 to 44. And not many people really saw that coming. And then a Western Michigan team that goes out and beats Pitt loses to Ball State and Toledo by three scores. So there's just so much parity right now in this conference that it's really hard to predict. So I won't really say that there's a top dog, even if NIU sitting perfect in conference play. Yeah. So the Mac West, to your point, Steve, has five teams who are two and two in conference play. And then of course, Northern Illinois. I say, of course, as if everyone knows, Northern Illinois is in the Mac West is sitting at the top of it. And then the Mac East, uh, which is Buffalo has, has, you know, currently dominated or has dominated that in recent years is uh, Kent State and Miami, Ohio are at three and one. And then you've got Bowling Green's not making any sense to me. Like one and four in conference play and three and six overall. Who is the worst team? I have to ask you this for betting purposes. Like who is the Mac team to fade this year? The worst betting team is almost always Akron. And in the 2019 season, Akron went 0-12 and they went 1-11 against the spread. They didn't cover a spread until their final game of the season when they came very close to beating the eventual MAC champion, Miami, Ohio. Akron gets blown out all the time. I think that them and UMass are the only FBS teams to lose by 50 points multiple times this season. Yes. Golly. Akron lost to 50 by 50 to Auburn and by 52 to Ohio State. Obviously, those are quality opponents, but the Zips still haven't done as well in Mac play. They had a surprise win over Bowling Green when it seemed like Bowling Green had momentum after that Minnesota win. But other than that, Akron's lost to a set by 17 points to an Ohio team that is otherwise winless. And that was a home game for the Zips. They lost by 13 to Miami, Ohio recently, but they had a nice backdoor cover in that game. And against Buffalo in their last outing, they lost by 35 points. Their two best defenders are out right now, so their defense seems to get worse on a week-to-week basis. They've had decent quarterback play this year, which is unusual for Akron, but just their offensive line is just so horrendous right now. They allowed 11 sacks in their last game, which is the most in the FBS since 2019 when Akron allowed 12 sacks. So it's an Akron thing to just not dominate in the trenches at all. And yeah, they allow more than any team in the country by a country mile right now. So Akron's struggling in the trenches and that really doesn't help their team bode very well. Steve, I got to tell you, like your your passion for the Mac is 
is coming through and it's pumping me up. I love college football so freaking much. All right. So we've covered Northern Illinois. We've covered Akron. Bowling Green is just absurd. Who do you like to watch? Like, who, Give me, uh, I know Toledo has been fun in recent years. I know Buffalo last year with Jared Patterson. Who deserves, if, if you could only watch like one team in the MAC, who's putting up the fireworks, who's got the guy who, who might be playing on Sundays, who's got the fun scheme? Uh, you just nailed it all in that description. You're talking about the Kent State Golden Flashes with that. Last year, Kent State led the entire country in scoring offense with 49.8 points per game. They had a top 10 passing offense. They finished second in the country in the run game. And although it was a shortened season, Kent State was just absolute fireworks on offense last year. They haven't exactly recaptured the magic this year, but you've seen hints of that potential. And their starting quarterback, Dustin Crum, I think could be an NFL draft pick. He is a great dual threat quarterback. And a lot of times, when we say dual threat quarterbacks, we talk about guys with a running ability that may not even be the best passer. No, Dustin Crum has both of those down to a science. In the previous two seasons, in 2019 and 2020, he had 32 touchdowns and just four interceptions. And in 2020, he completed passes at a 74% clip. So Dustin Crum's been highly efficient. And this year, he only has two interceptions on the season, hasn't thrown a single one since that week one game against Texas A&M. And some of those in that game weren't even his fault. So Dustin Crum has been electric this season, and he's finally figured out things in the running game. His pass protection hasn't been great this year, but his, his last game against Ohio, he had a really good performance on the ground and he's figuring out things in the passing game. Just a few weeks ago against Buffalo, he had a career high 407 yards, just nailing the deep ball. And he had three touchdown passes in that game. And the thing about Kent State, what makes them fun to watch is that they're flash fast offense. They run a really high tempo offense. And every time you watch a Kent State game that's on an ESPN network, they always have a clock in the top left corner that has time between snaps because this is a team that really just sprints to the line of scrimmage and tries to get the snap off as quick as possible. They run a lot of quick screens to the outside, quick slants, a lot of power running in game too. And then they're not afraid to take the deep shot. They have a, a track star receiver out there and Dante Cephas, who's had a few just absurd receiving games this season. So Kent State's offense is so fun to watch when they're clicking. And I, I'd recommend the Golden Flashes to watch for any team. And they have a huge game this Wednesday night on ESPN2 against Northern Illinois, which are the, currently the top two teams in the divisions. Wow. All right. Let's do a, a few quick. I'm not, not calling these picks, but just little like game snapshots, Tuesday night's games. A lot of the countries going to be watching the college football playoff rankings, the first ones. I think you could be watching both on Tuesday night. Ball State, Akron. Akron is 19.5 point dog. And you got Miami, Ohio versus Ohio. Ohio is a 7.5 point dog. And then you got Eastern Michigan and Toledo. Toledo is a nine point favorite. I feel like we've spent a lot of time on, on the Akron Ball State thing. So I'm going to fade Akron there and, and take Ball State to cover. Uh, Miami, Ohio versus Ohio. Do you have a read on that game? Ohio has not been very good this season. They're one and seven. This is actually their first non winning, uh, their first losing season they've already clinched since 2008. This is their first year without Frank Solich in a very long time. He's been the coach since the mid 2000s and he stepped down just prior to the season due to health issues. So their longtime offensive coordinator, Tim Albin, took over. Ohio did lose to an FCS team this year, which was not a great look, but the, the Bobcats have figured themselves out in recent weeks and they've lost 
three consecutive one possession games to four and four teams in the MAC: Central Michigan, Kent State, and Buffalo. Oh, Buffalo's now four and five, so they lost <laughs> there. But Ohio has kind of figured out some of their identity more recently. But they're they're a horrendous rushing defense, and the Bobcats just haven't been able to close games this year. So I do like the Miami Redhawks in this one. They have a really good passing attack led by Brett Gabbert, and yes, he is the brother of Buccaneers quarterback and Super Bowl champion Blaine Gabbert, and the Red. Hawks just can air it out really well. And I really like their receiving core with Jack Sorensen, one of the top receivers in the country right now, statistically, and Penn State transfer Matt Kippenhammer. So I think they'll be able to air the ball out on this Ohio defense. But I do think that Ohio's kind of finding themselves right now. So I think this is going to be a close game, but Miami emerges on top. Okay. Eastern Michigan, Toledo. Has Toledo been a disappointment? Yes and no, (laughs) because Toledo normally under Jason Candle, this is a top 20 offense in the country. And this year, Toledo's offense has had no consistency at all. They can't really pass on a consistent basis. And But Toledo's defense has been incredible this season. The only time they've allowed 30 points is against Notre Dame. And they really should have won that game because Toledo had a lead. And then they allowed a three-play 75-yard drive in seconds for Notre Dame to score at the very end. But Toledo only allows... 18.3 points per game, which is 15th in the country. So Toledo's defense has been incredible this year. And that defense really stepped up to knock down one of the best offenses in the country in Western Michigan a few weeks ago, and they won 34 to 15. So Toledo does have a lot of defensive capabilities, but their offense is questionable at times, and they just haven't been able to get things going on a week to week basis. So they're a real wild card team because you don't know you don't know how well the offense is going to play. You know that the defense is going to show up every week, though. But in the Eastern Michigan series, they've controlled the Eagles pretty well. They've won 19 out of the last 21 meetings. But Eastern Michigan this year has been a nice surprise. They got Cincinnati transfer quarterback Ben Bryant, and he's been airing it out like 35, 40 times a game, getting consistent 300-yard performances. In the last five weeks, Eastern Michigan, not really known for explosive offenses, has scored 55 points or more twice. And Ben Bryant's really helped to revamp that offense this year. They can't get the rushing game going exactly. But I do think that Eastern Michigan, just because I trust their offense more, I think they can get this upset on the road in the glass bowl. Eastern Michigan, a little money line. All right. We already laid out the stakes for Northern Illinois, Kent State. The other game on Wednesday night, Central Michigan versus Western Michigan. Western Michigan is a 10-point favorite. These are this is my uh this is my matching blind spot, Steve, when you've got the the three different Michigans. And then I also tend to kind of confuse Ball State and Miami of Ohio because of the colors. But you, you probably think you're like who who's this clown? Uh Central Michigan <laughs> versus Western Michigan. Like what is what makes them different and what do I need to know here? This is a premier rivalry. It's the battle for the victory cannon. There's a few rivalries this week. Ohio versus Miami is the battle of the bricks. So there's a lot of fun. There's a lot of fun rivalry games in the MAC and some that come with trophies. So this one, the battle for the victory cannon is always a fun one with Western Michigan and Central Michigan. And these two fan bases absolutely despise each other. Western Michigan usually controls the series in this one. And they've had a stranglehold on Central Michigan, especially in the college football playoff era. And they've won three straight and this series in six of the last seven, but Western Michigan, they can pass the ball. Caleb Ellaby, I would put him as probably the best quarterback in the Mac besides Dustin Crum, and he might be the best just passer in the Mac. Really efficient quarterback. I mean, him over the last two seasons, he has 30 touchdowns to just four interceptions. And last year in quarterback rating, I think the only guys that were above him were Trevor Lawrence, like Zach Wilson and Mac Jones. So Caleb Ellaby is definitely an efficient quarterback. And 
he's had some really good performances this year, especially when they beat Pitt in that week three matchup. That was his 300 plus yards and three touchdowns, which beat the Panthers in that game. So Western Michigan can really air out the ball. And they're going against a Central Michigan secondary, which has been really porous. Like, for example, NIU cannot pass the ball at all. Like against Bowling Green this year, they went four of eight passing. But when NIU played Central Michigan, they had over 300 yards passing and just consistent 20 plus yard plays that they were generating. So I think when you have Western Michigan with Caleb Ellaby back there and a star receiving duo and Sky Moore and Jalen Hall, right now Sky Moore is 13th in the FBS in receiving yards. So I think with that With that duo on the Central Michigan secondary, I think Western Michigan's going to have a ton of points in this game. And this this Broncos team has shown the ability to score a ton of points. They did it against Pitt. They dropped 64 on Kent State. I think that Caleb Ellaby and those receivers are destined to have a great game. And I don't think that Central Michigan's offense can keep up with them. Good stuff, Steve. I'll send you out on this. I know you've been... You've probably been holding back in the last 20 minutes from talking about it, but Cooper Rush on Sunday night got that big win for the Dallas Cowboys. He's a Central Michigan guy. I'll, I'll give you your uh, your parting shots here if you want to give me a, a recollection of him at Central Michigan. Cooper Rush at Central Michigan, the Hail Mary King himself. Not only did Cooper Rush complete one Hail Mary lateral touchdown, he completed two in his Chippewas career. In the 2014 Bahamas Bowl against Western Kentucky, the Hilltoppers were up 49 to 14 in the fourth quarter. Cooper Rush leads them to 34 unanswered points. And the final touchdown of the game was a Hail Mary pass to Jesse Crawl, who just a big receiver that went up, got the ball, and he immediately pitched it. Central Michigan had a few more laterals. And the, the late Titus Davis, uh, the brother of Corey Davis, who tragically passed recently, he he makes a diving touchdown in the end zone. Unfortunately, Central Michigan decided to go for two, and they called a fade route. And that decision cost them from tying the Michigan State Spartans for the greatest comeback in college football history at 35 points. So WKU won that game. And then in 2016, Cooper Rush comes out again against Oklahoma State. Very controversial ending because Oklahoma State had an intentional grounding to end regulation, which you can do that if you're an offense, but the referees messed the call up and gave Central Michigan a free untimed down. And Central Michigan capitalized. Cooper Rush launched the ball to his favorite Hail Mary target, Jesse Crawl, and Crawl pitched it uh, to Corey Willis. And Corey Willis dives to the corner of the end zone and Central Michigan upsets Oklahoma State. That Oklahoma State team finished highly ranked that year. And they they printed 11-2 and two on their bull rings when they finished 10-3 and three because Mike Gundy was that bitter about the referee's decision in that loss. So Cooper Rush, Hail Mary legend at Central Michigan. I remember that. I remember that. Steve, you're, you're a Mac legend in your own right. We appreciate you joining us, man. Thank you. Appreciate you having me on. Okay. Appreciate Steve joining us. Hat tip to Lance, our producer, for finding him as if like he's, I mean, he's verified on Twitter, but good job, Lance, getting us a Mac expert. And uh, thanks for building this big episode and throwing that Dan Mullen clip as well. Everyone have a great Tuesday. We, we will be back on Wednesday morning for a reaction to the initial college football playoff rankings. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.